study of uh, landmarks and boundaries, and um, uh, I'd intended to just do uh, one last uh, session, but I got inspired. I'm going to do it this morning and then two more uh, after this. And so uh, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, I need somebody to get for me Revelation 22. Uh, 28, uh, Nick, and if somebody will get for me, Deuteronomy 19 and verse 14 is Brian. So we want to, uh, we want to continue this class as, uh, as we uh, stated, uh, we've, uh, we've put this in a number of illustrations, a uh, number of uh, settings that we could understand how absolutely crucial it is for us to have some kind of reference point because this is what landmarks are. Landmarks are reference points within which boundaries of territory or land is, uh, is uh, prescribed. And uh, it's done so that uh, there might be a uh, pursuit of, uh, of uh, productivity uh, or uh, ownership and uh, that uh, a person could feel security as they uh, function in, in among those reference points and boundaries. Uh, this is mentioned about six times in the Bible in various uh, references, and essentially in primary this has to do with property. Uh, and it's very interesting that when the children of Israel went into the Promised Land, that one of the, uh, one of the uh, commandments of the Lord was, don't you destroy the landmarks and the boundaries that have been set in that land. That's very, very interesting, uh, because it uh, has uh, a tremendous uh, importance in life and uh, then we move from that on into uh, the spiritual uh, uh, importance of that, which, of course, is uh, all throughout the Bible. And so uh, uh, I, somebody gave me a little uh, illustration. I believe it was Clara Seals. And uh, this has to do with Romania and the communist uh, rule in Romania. said the object of Romanian education during this period of time was not to prepare pupils to be able to make reasoned and independent judgments, but on the contrary, to mold them to depend on the Communist Party and to accept its most unreasonable claims and demands without question. Communism strives to create insecure people. This is a quote by uh, Judy Wormbrand, whose husband is, uh, was uh, uh, one of the uh, persecuted in, in Romania. And so this is, uh, this is true. Uh, and we find uh, a real insight there, and, uh, and uh, this uh, underlines uh, for us the understanding that security in life depends upon us having reference marks. Uh, many of you in this congregation, you have reference marks that uh, have been placed in you uh, that is beyond your understanding, totally beyond your understanding, that immediately when you find some dingbat thing sweeping across, Alarm bells go off in you, and you don't fully understand why. But it's because we have deliberately and systematically and purposely put in you reference points concerning the Bible. And if you have reference points concerning the Bible and you live for God, then you'll never be led astray and you'll survive. So landmarks are reference points within which uh, uh, we can conduct our lives and establish boundaries and give guidelines uh, by which we can live our life and uh, uh, that we can find a productive and a fulfilling life. A majority of people wander from job to job, from place to place, from city to city, from marriage to marriage, from relationship to relationship. This is what's happening in our generation. 
And the thing that we were able to do uh, when uh, we started getting a, a tremendous break with uh, young people who were wandering all over America, they had bedrolls, they're sleeping together, they had re rebelled against their parents, uh, they were rootless and, uh, and without direction, was when they came into this congregation and were saved, we were able to establish them and stabilize them long enough for them to find reference points in their lives. Some of you are here right now uh, from uh, different parts of America. And so uh, the first thing that happens to a young person when they get saved and, and legitimately get saved, genuinely, is they say, this is wonderful. Uh, if I'd have known about this back home, my life wouldn't be this way. What I need to do is go back and win my family and all my friends to the Lord. And so if you say to them, can't do that, why, well, they'd immediately rebel. So what we did was we said, that's a great idea. So why don't you just stay here for about six months and you get grounded. And after you stay here for about six months, you get grounded, you'll understand what you ought to do. And most of them stayed here. The reason we did that was not because we're a cult. The reason we did that is to put some reference points in them so that they wouldn't continue to live the same life that they've been living because they would, would not have survived because we need reference points in life. Proverbs 22, 28. Nick uh, Maiola is going to read that. Proverbs 22, 28. Caught him off guard here. He was... Do not remove the ancient landmarks which your fathers have set. Now, this is, uh, as I said before, this is uh, repeated in one occasion, that they were not to remove the landmarks which the previous inhabitants had set. Deuteronomy 19, verse 14. Okay, then we want uh, Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12. Who did I give that to? Nobody? Go ahead, Randy. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting or the completing or the fulfillment of their relationship and uh, understanding personality before the Lord. Go ahead. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So I want to, uh, let's think about what that said. That said that God's aim and purpose is for the believers, which is the body, as we'll get into later, that they be fully developed so that they can fulfill their ministry. So I want to talk to you about our ministry this morning and, uh, and lock this into biblical understanding. I want uh, three scriptures right over here. Isaiah 49, verse 5. Somebody help me on this. Is uh, Samantha. I want Jeremiah 1, 5. Uh, uh, Bob, I want Galatians 1, 15. Uh, 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 Freddie. And so uh, I want you to think with me for a moment concerning this. So this is said that God has placed uh, leadership or he has placed oversight. That oversight has a particular responsibility 
And that is not to be lords over God's heritage, as Peter uh, says in the New Testament. That is not so that they could be uh, 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 self-enrichment or super uh, spiritual personalities. Their responsibility, their aim, the objective of God is that he, they, would, uh, they would develop the believers in Jesus Christ to a ministry that God has for them. Think about that for a moment. And so while you're sitting here, uh, then if this is true, that you have a ministry, what is that ministry? So let's think about that as we move into this uh, question, uh, Isaiah 49, verse 5. All right, here's Jeremiah, and as, uh, or Isaiah rather, and as he speaks out, he says that God has shaped a blueprint for his life in his sovereign plan from his mother's womb. He has a purpose for him. Now think about that for a moment with me. Jeremiah 1, verse 5. All right, here is uh, Jeremiah, and he's speaking. The Word of God is coming to him. And God says, before I ever formed you in the womb, I had a blueprint for your life, and that blueprint for your life was well set, drawn out, and it was set in place, and your birth uh, uh, in, in this world was to fulfill that purpose and that blueprint. Galatians 1.15 So when it pleased God, who called me from my mother's womb and separated me by his grace. Now, this is a fascinating uh, prospect. Uh, I know that uh, uh, various cults, and, and uh, there's even a song, Kesara, uh, Sara, uh, this is, is, is fatalism. And, uh, and so uh, we understand that, that, uh, that uh, fatalism is not, uh, is not a biblical term. Uh, but pushing the error aside, let's interpret Scripture uh, in the way it's written and understand that God has a purpose and a plan for each person that's born upon this uh, earth and uh, a place to function uh, to which we're called as believers in Jesus Christ. Now think about that. He has a place for us. He has a function for us. This is established in Christ before the world began. Now, the great uh, task of life is to bring that to purpose and to fulfillment in our lives. I want to lock this down in our minds for a moment. Second Thessalonians 1.11, over on my far left. Uh, Pete will do that. Second Timothy 1.9. Uh, it's Louis Polino. First Corinthians 1.26. Uh, uh, Joel uh, and Ephesians 4.1. Somebody would like to get that for me. It's Woody. So uh, let's shove aside all the air of fatalism, which uh, says that there's nothing that you can do. The stars have you locked in, or fate has you locked in. You have uh, no choice in the matter. Uh, what is to be will be. That's what Kesara Sarah is. And there's nothing you can do about it. 
Uh, you might as well uh, just accept this. This is, uh, I believe, the underlying doctrine behind uh, the, the Hindu religion also and, and other uh, Oriental and, and occult religion is it, it, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, you, this is where you are, and you might as well just relax and flow with it. It doesn't matter whether you do good or do bad. It doesn't matter what happens. Is that you, you're carried along on fate, and uh, this is not the biblical doctrine. But there is a plan and a function, a blueprint that God has called you to, which is his calling and which is his purpose for your life. This is biblical, uh, this is uh, profound, and it's solidly based in Scripture. Second Thessalonians 1, verse 11. Paul says, uh, therefore, uh, we're always praying that uh, God would count you worthy of this calling. And fulfill all the good pleasure and the work of faith with power. So now we, uh, we begin to get a little understanding that this plan uh, is only fulfilled through uh, believing prayer. Is that correct? Paul says there's a human element, there's a human dimension, and I'm praying that this will be fulfilled in your life, the pleasure that God has for you, the wonderful uh, purpose he has that will be fulfilled. I'm praying for that. Second Timothy 1, nine. He has saved us and he has called us... Uh, with a holy calling, which was given us in Christ, not according to our own will, but according to his will, which was given us in Christ uh, before the world began. 1 Corinthians 1, 26. For you see your calling, brethren, not many wise men according to the flesh. Not many mighty, not many noble. Our call. Now read 28 through 31 for me, Joel, of that same chapter. And the base things of the world and the things that are despised, God has chosen. Did that make you feel a great dignity? See, when you get to feeling, hey, dude, I've got the thing together, read that text. God is using me. Oh, really? Well, you fit into that category, base and things that are despised. So when you get to feeling your oats, why well, read that text? Uh, okay, go ahead, Joel. <laughs> and the things which are nuts. Okay. This pretty well underlines it, uh, all the things that, uh, that the world despises uh, if it is in total opposition to what, how the world functions as the kingdom of God and those believers. Ephesians 4, verse 1.
right, he said, I'm, I'm uh, pleading with you to let your conduct line up with the calling that God has given to you. So here we see a, uh, a tremendous principle, and that is that there's a blueprint for life. Once you begin to understand that, it'll, it'll totally change uh, how you approach life. Uh, I picked up a quote and somewhere in my notes says, We're born crying, live complaining, and die disappointed. People who enter the church and then leave or stay in and leave uh, farcical lives instead of forceful lives of testimony to Christ tend to lapse first in conduct and then in doctrine. That's a profound statement and uh, is very interesting. So let's, uh, uh, let's uh, discuss that for a while. What do you think, what do you think about this? Do uh, you have any comment? Do you have any questions so far? A blueprint for life, and the Bible says that we're called to that blueprint. Uh, Pete? Yes, we are, we are born theologians. Nobody says, stuff it. That's not what I... Nobody does that. What they do is they create a doctrine that would justify their conduct. And they, uh, I've, I've used this as an illustration. I was reading a very hilarious article uh, in Reader's Digest about this years ago, and it was about a bootlegger that, uh, that uh, was supposed to be a, a church goer. And so uh, they're saying you can't sell uh, corn whiskey and still be a bootlegger. He said, absolutely, the Bible commands me to. It says, cursed be he that sells not his corn. So we can justify anything by the Bible if we want to twist it to our perception uh, rather than obey uh, what is there. So, uh, so what, what is that saying is that uh, uh, so... Uh, I just got a letter uh, in the mail. I didn't read it because I get so much mail, and if I'm pressed, I just lay it aside. And so uh, uh, I laid it aside, but one of the other pastors uh, uh, Thursday uh, told me that he got the letter also, and it's from a member of his congregation. And so this con- member of his congregation has written a little book, and this little book is justifying his rebellion. And the easiest way you can justify rebellion is that you destroy preachers and pastors. All they are are people that are trying to dominate and uh, ruin your life and control you and and really we need power to the sheep and so if we have power to the sheep uh, then uh, we can do away with this and this is the essence of what it is and so uh, uh, Pete this is what we do is we decide we want to rebel against God then we find doctrines that will justify that and so that we become natural theologians and uh, this is true concerning tithing I get uh, I get uh, uh, epistles from Australia. There's a fellow in Sydney that uh, that uh, uh, that hates his pastor because his pastor teaches him tithing, and he don't want to tithe. And so he's got these long treatises, and he's threatened to take us to the world court. And I, you know, it's it's innocent. So, and so, <laughs> and so the and so the issue is he doesn't want to tithe. I mean, we might as well do away with all the rest of the garbage. This is the issue. He doesn't want to tithe. And so he's created this long theological treatise to justify that. Uh, who was it? I had uh, uh, Jeff Brown.
All right, let's listen to this. He, uh, Jeff had a man in his Bible study who always wanted to debate him on eternal security. Never wanted to witness. Okay, go ahead. Absolutely. This is where the doctrine of eternal security comes from. It's a perversion of the security of the saints. Uh, God gives all security that you can ever imagine to someone who wants to live for God and who has their faith and eyes set on Christ. But he gives no promise to a backslider. The moment you turn your back, those promises are all gone, and it has many curses that come because of that. And so it was Carol, was it? What Carol said is the blessing of having a blueprint. This gives you a feeling of security. The reason is it's a reference point. See, we have to have reference points in life. That's why I taught about family. Most of you have very little comprehension of the tremendous impact that a family makes upon how you think, how you interpret life. It's absolutely crucial, and it's beyond description. This is why... Uh, I uh, uh, taught on the Sabbath. This is why I taught on tithing. This is why I taught on assembly. All these are reference points that without these, you enter the jungle of the church world, which is a swamp from which you never will extricate yourself. This is why we don't have to spend large amounts of time uh, trying to settle doctrinal things because our congregation is pretty well set in doctrine as a general rule, probably uh, beyond the average congregation. That doesn't mean you've arrived yet. But that means that you probably have reference points beyond the average congregation. And so when uh, Nutso, as uh, Joel says, uh, rises up and, and makes his pitch, you say, shut up, that's not God. So you deal with it yourself. Okay, anybody else have a comment? Uh, Dennis? Yeah, I could fill both hands with stories just like this. A woman came to me that I counsel, a terrible condition, a trauma in her life, prayed for her. God gave her a glorious deliverance. I mean, she wrote a letter that would uh, absolutely make you shout. Uh, but her husband uh, wanted to go to that same church, and he's an alcoholic. He still is an alcoholic. He will ever be an alcoholic because they put up the eternal security. Uh, I've had fornicators uh, that were here. Uh, that got gloriously saved here and went back to the pastor of that church. And the pastor of that church said, don't worry about it, it'll all work out. Well, it won't work out in hell. So this is what we're wrestling with. And uh, so, all right, those are good comments. Let's, let's don't get lost here. So uh, uh, I want to talk about our function, which is a calling. I want in this section right here, Romans 12, 3 through 8, as uh, De uh, Dennis. And uh, uh, Bill, would you get for me 1 Corinthians 12? Uh, 12 through 14. I want Ephesians 1.18. Uh, Brian, I want 2 Peter 1.10. Uh, Pete, I want Acts 20.24. 20, Acts 20. Uh, uh, Jonathan, I want 1 Corinthians 16.15. 1 Corinthians 16.15. Pete Baker, I want Colossians 4.7. Uh, Samantha, 
Second Timothy one twelve. It said uh, Ken Herman. I want Romans twelve seven, uh, which is Freddie. Okay. So uh, so our our function as believers in Jesus Christ is a calling. Now this is what I want to lock into your mind. As we live in America and America, Americans do what Americans want to do. Don't don't fence me in. Don't. Don't be trying to put any kind of name. Don't, 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 don't. I, I want to be free, uh, which is true. Now, that's wonderful. But when you get down to biblical uh, uh, revelation, uh, we, have a, uh, we have a calling. And so the function that we have to determine is what is our calling. So let's uh, uh, get some vivid imagery. One of these is a body. So Paul trying to put uh, theology... Uh, in terms that we can understand uh, through the Holy Spirit, gives this a picture of a body. Now look at this. Look at my body. My body is a marvelous contraption of creation. I mean, it is a absolutely marvelous uh, piece of machinery, if you want to put it that way. It's indescribable. Uh, uh, the human body, all the functions, all the abilities of the human body, and so he deliberately puts divine truth by the Holy Spirit into this imagery of a human body. Romans 12, 3 through 8. Don't get puffed up when God begins to move on your life, but you think soberly. Go ahead. We have many members in one body, and all these members do not have the same function. We individually are members one of another. As uh, the old, what's the old song, the D-bone uh, fastened to the leg bone, the leg bone to the hip bone, and so on and so forth. So here we are. Uh, just to have a finger, this finger is a marvelous contraption. If you were to lose this finger, you would instantly be handicapped because God has created uh, all the wonderful functions. Or you would survive, you'd be able to get by, but not as well. Go ahead. Okay, here's the Apostle Paul. He's uh, trying to bring some understanding uh, that uh, God has set in the body individual people whom he has equipped for certain functions uh, to fulfill his purpose. Let's get to 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14 also. Okay, so here we have this uh, little different uh, uh, setting. So our calling then is to ministry. Our calling is to ministry. This is a place of service in the church. Ephesians 1, 18. All right, the eyes of your understanding being opened, that you may know what is the hope or the expectation of the calling that God has given to you. You're saved. You are a member of the Church of Jesus Christ. Immediately, uh, understanding that, there comes a responsibility uh, and an and a, and a, and a, and a insight that there's a blueprint and you are called to a ministry. You are called to a ministry. Second uh, Peter 1, verse 10. All right, here's Peter. He writes and says, Therefore, brethren, he's writing to the whole church. He's not writing to an apostle. He's not writing to some superstar. He's not writing to a prophet. He's writing to the church. And he says, You now have a responsibility to make your calling and election sure. Don't just... Uh, uh, lay back uh, on your lounge chair and say, well, here I am, God. If you want me, take me. 
If you can use me, why you'll me, but here until I then I'm just gonna lay here and take a little nap. Alright? So this is specific, this is not general. Acts twenty, verse twenty four. All right, here's the Apostle Paul, and uh, he, uh, he writes and says, as far as, uh, as my calling, I'm called to a ministry, and that ministry uses the word course. If you were in the conference, you heard me uh, preach and, and uh, allude to this and lay this down, uh, that we, uh, he's, he's using the, uh, uh, the imagery there uh, that will bring us great understanding we'll talk about in just a moment. First Corinthians 16, verse 15. Okay, the household of Achaia, and I uh, said, I've, uh, I'm calling this to your attention. They've devoted themselves to the ministry to the saints. All right, this is ministry. This is not preaching. This is not teaching. This is not apostolic. This is not pastoring. This is a ministry to help people within the body. Are you still with me? Probably the, one of the, one of the uh, great testimonies of uh, Karen Heimberg. Uh, and this body of believers uh, was that uh, she needed uh, uh, two lungs to be transplanted. And so uh, 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 there are people today, right now, while we're sitting here, they're holding parties like uh, get-together parties. They're holding persuasion meetings, trying to find enough people that will donate to a desperate soul that needs a lung plant, a transplant. And here's Karen had them lined up. They're lined up wanting to give a lung. Did you hear what I said? How many of you this morning, you, you lined up and say, here's my hand. You can take my hand. Not many. Right? And so here are people that are lined up to give. It's a great testimony to the spirit that is in this congregation that has been placed there. Uh, and uh, it's, it's beyond description. Uh, they could write a book on, on this whole subject. And so here is... Achaia, uh, a household of, of, of Stephanus and Achaia, and said they've devoted it. They, actually, the word is, is addicted is what the real word is. It's like the shooting up. Uh, it's like a drug addict. Every day they've got to have a shoot up. This is the word. This is what it means, that they have devoted themselves or they've addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. They're, every day they get up and, and see where they can find somebody to help. Uh, story after story. I don't even know all that goes on in this congregation, but I find out all the time uh, about people that have been in desperate circumstances and people not wanting any credit for it, people not wanting a tithing receipt for it, people just on their own, uh, many times, most of the times, anonymously, an envelope of money appears, and uh, it just blows them totally away. Uh, these go on all the time, and I know that I don't even hear a, a tiny percentage of the stories that goes on. This is what we're talking about. A ministry within the saints. See, the, the difficulty in the body of Christ is that we have this uh, unbalanced idea that if, you, uh, if, you ha if you're responsible, in other words, you're obligated to do anything, it's either you've got a Bible study or you're a music group leader or I'm going to preach in the arena or I'm going to be a pastor. But, you see, that's not, that's not what we're talking about at all this morning. Yes, those things do uh, take place, but we're talking about ministry to the body of Jesus Christ to, and, uh, and the household of Stephana, they took this as a wonderful calling from God and said, praise God. Uh, now, who can we uh, help today? Can we take somebody some food? Can we do somebody's laundry? Can we uh, help out some needy soul? And uh, this is what their uh, lives were given to, and this is ministry. This is specific, not general. 
Uh, Colossians 4, verse 7. All right, here's uh, Tinnicus. He said he will, he will uh, give you. Uh, he's a faithful minister of the Lord. Uh, this uh, this uh, bears along the same line. 2 Timothy 1, verse 12. Okay, and so here, uh, here's uh, the Apostle Paul. He's talking about uh, the ministry that God has given him. And uh, uh, Romans 12, verse 7. All right, here is, is that strange little statement in there. Is Paul is, is running down the things that, uh, uh, that people would do, their calling. This is the blueprint for their life. He says ministering, and one translation, I think it's uh, probably the New King James, says our service. Let us uh, wait on our service, uh, our, our, our service uh, which means exactly what I've been talking about in helping others. Okay, so I want to get two more scriptures. We're going to open for discussion again. I want 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. Over in this right hand is Mike Solano. I want 2 Corinthians 10, 12 through 16. Somebody like to get that for me. 2 Corinthians 10. It's Mike back in the corner. And so uh, uh, we'll be called to account. We will be called to account. Does anybody here know what April 15th is? What is April 15th? What are you laughing about? Why are you laughing? There's not a person here that's working at a job that a minute I said April 15th. <laughs> I hate that, you know. Right? Why? Because you know that on that date you're going to be called to account. You're either going to rejoice because you're getting a refund or you're going to groan because you have to pay more money. It's accounting time. Isn't that interesting? Immediately when I said that, bing, you knew what I Well, we're going to be having accounting, folks. And that has to do with our ministry. Paul puts this in terms of like an athletic event. He uses the uh, imagery of the Isthmian Games. The Isthmian Games are the, uh, the, the, the forerunners to the Olympian Games. And they were athletic contests. And so... When he's writing, uh, talking about this accounting and the responsibility that we have and how we're going to be called to account, he uses that imagery of the Isthmian Games uh, where perhaps we would be in an, audit, uh, in an arena. And on that uh, uh, large uh, oval, there would be white lines that would be drawn. These are lines within which the runners must compete if they are to qualify. If they step outside those lines, they've disqualified themselves. And so he uses this imagery uh, as he begins to talk about our responsibility and our calling in Christ. Second Timothy 4, 7 and 8. All right. When the apostle uh, 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 writes, I have finished my course, this is a very deliberate and this is a very specific statement. He's putting in their minds what a course would be. That course would be the lines that were drawn out. And as he was responsible to fulfill the blueprint that God had of his life, uh, he uses this imagery that uh, he has finished his course. He didn't, he didn't run halfway and quit, but he finished out the race that God had set before him within the prescribed lines of conduct uh, in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, 12 through 4, uh, 16. All right, we're not, uh, the Apostle Paul says, we're not, we're not worried about people who are using themselves. They're looking at the, at the people around them and the standard that the world has gained for their conduct. So this is a great mistake that we make, is that everybody's doing it, so it's legal for us to do it. 
So uh, I just picked out two uh, uh, little ads this morning and I photocopied them. And uh, these are uh, these are conferences being held and their uh, instructions on uh, tambourines and the dance. So this has become this is pretty clear through Christianity that if you don't dance, you don't got the goods. And so this is dancing in the spirit, but they have to teach you how to do this, you see. Remember in junior high school when they taught you how to dance? How many of you were taught how to dance in junior high school? Why didn't it come natural? <laughs> because it's not natural. Right? Okay. So he says, we're not comparing ourselves. Our, our, our conduct before God is not what the world is doing. We're not doing what we're doing because the world is doing it. And I take these magazines. You wonder why it's around. I take these magazines to find out what the nuts are doing. As unbelievable. It's beyond description. I don't, I don't refer to half the stuff that's going on in the Christian world. It's absolutely stark raven nut. No biblical basis of any kind, and they're running off. So he says, and it's important for us to understand, we are not comparing ourselves. Uh, some, many of our congregation uh, came and said, why aren't we talking about Y2K? Pastor, you better get the people ready and get barrels of freeze-dried food and get Y2K. I said, because Y2K fits in the same place with Kamakohotek. And 88 reasons Jesus will come in 88. And you will see that on January 1 of this year, next year. We're going to see that. Okay? Why aren't we doing this? I have Christian magazines. They're filled with ads. You can buy a place in Arkansas. You can buy gold. I mean, gold is where the action's going to be. Because if you got gold, you can buy groceries with gold. Never thinking through. One, one guy ought to know better. He's advising all his followers to store up food for two months. Two months? Folks, if we've got a problem, two months isn't going to help us. Well, the reason we're not is because we're not doing what everybody else is doing. We're doing what the Bible's doing. Okay, go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry to interrupt you here. We're not going to boast beyond measure. All right, here's this word again. This word measure has the same idea as course, but within the limits. And he uses that imagery because this has to do with the blueprint that God has and the calling of us individually. Go ahead, Mike. Measure, there that word is again. Said we're not we're not we're not out we haven't been reading charisma and all of a sudden we got inspired to go way out. Said I'm sticking to what the Bible has revealed to me. Go ahead. Okay, here he lays it down. Every person has a set place and a function in the church. And the picture here is a prescribed course or lines within which a person is called of God to serve, and there is an accounting and we're going to be judged by that. God's will has an address. The kingdom of God depends on certain people in certain places at certain times doing certain things. Otherwise, it's a religious uh, swap meet and flea market. How many of you have ever been to a flea market? You can buy any kind of contraption you can think of that you don't need you can store it until you have your flea market. 
All right, let's open it up for discussion. Question, uh, rebuttal, contradiction. Would it be true? Okay, so here we're, we're entering a, a, an arena of Calvinism. Would it be true uh, that God does not know whether the individual will line up with his calling purpose? No, that's not, that's not Bible. Uh, uh, God knows everything. He's omniscient. Okay, as was the old uh, cliche. Uh, there's two things that are absolutely uh, uh, certain this morning, beyond contradiction. One is there is a God, and number two, we're not Him. So this, this goes in the, in the arena that, uh, of, uh, of uh, a doctrine that is inexplainable. In the foreknowledge of God and the calling of God, He knows. That's, that's what omniscience is all about. He knows the beginning from the end. That's why he's called the Alpha and the Omega. Okay? But uh, formed in with that is also the doctrine uh, that we are absolutely responsible to obey. And so it's explained in various ways. You're into election and foreknowledge, uh, which we shouldn't get into uh, this morning. It'll, it'll divert us. But he does know that to answer your question. He knows whether you will or whether you won't. Uh, Mark Olson. Yes, because we're, we're men and not God. And so he constantly is working to bring us to his will and fulfill because he loves us. And he has a tremendous purpose for our life beyond our total grasp. Uh, mankind is unique in all of creation, and he has a wonderful, wonderful plan for us. But we won't fulfill that plan unless uh, certain things take place. Okay? And this is why in his love and his grace, he constantly woos, he speaks, he convicts, he deals, he uplifts, he strengthens, he forgives, uh, and so on. And we'll not fulfill that unless certain things take place. Uh, Mike? All right, here's going to come some insight. Mike is talking about when he he meets people that are of Hindu persuasion. Doctrine determines direction. And uh, who was the evangelist that preached in early America? I'm trying to think of his name. It's not Spurgeon. It's a... What? No, who? No, no. It's the guy that that preached in Presbyterian churches, and he broke it. Finney, Charles Finney. This is what he was dealing with. Uh, he kept uh, he kept uh, confronting this, and uh, when he came into congregations and uh, preached, he preached against and the responsibility of people to get saved, and he brought a tremendous revolution in the church world because he was confronting that very thing you're talking about. Uh, and so it's Bear Montgomery. All right, he's uh, bears uh, bring a profound point that he noticed that uh, churches that he went to uh, before he came here that they, they they gravitated to people who had natural talents before they got saved and they and they simply went on the back of that. Go ahead. Yes, because and this is why when anybody comes in our congregation, uh, they are not allowed to function in music group for six months. I don't care if they can play uh, a, a mandolin with their toes; it doesn't matter. <laughs> They have to have, because that violates this very principle we're talking about. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Bear. Exactly. The secret of our ministry is we have been able to reach into uh, common people and uh, enable them to find their place and their gifting with God and rise up. And others see that and say, if they could make it, I can make it. That's the secret of discipleship. And that's the secret of the tremendous explosion we've had in church planting. The Lord bless you. We're out of time.